Hey, and welcome back to the mid-card Bonanza. Oh. No? What is Alan, it? Man, you made the card. Son of a bitch. How many have we done? Two? Four, I think. Sweet sassy molassy. Don't uh, worry, our ratings are slowly dropping, so by ten we'll probably be out of here. Hell yeah. Stop doing this <laughs> bullshit. Why'd we even start in the first place? I really, I, yeah, I really don't know. Uh, so, uh, we've got some fan questions and some, like, behind-the-scenes anarchy stuff that we were going to talk about. Um, we already did talk about it, but we didn't like the audio quality. So we're redoing it, because uh, while it might not be the best, we want to give you what we feel is the best we're capable of. And the last thing we recorded was not it. So, here we go. Um, let's try this again, shall we? Right, so pretty much it's just the behind the scenes of anarchy. Yeah, well, with some fans asking questions. Uh, one of the first questions I figure we can hit off was uh, Chris Hero. Why was he late? Did you just book uh, a flight that was super late and you're just an asshole or what? <laughs> no, if I remember right, it was just uh, wherever he was coming from had bad weather or something so he was just heavily delayed um if i remember right that's that's all that was but yeah he had flight delays yeah but he was really badly heavily delayed like he uh if i remember right well first we knew in advance enough so that's why like i came out at the beginning of the show and pretty much said like hey here's the deal like the show's gonna <laughs> this is gonna be a long show if we want to have Chris Hero tonight, because his flight is really late. I th um, if I remember right, his flight was supposed to get in around 3, and didn't get in till around 8, 9, 9? I, I, I think that, I don't think his flight actually got in until almost 10 o'clock. Because this show went until almost midnight. Is that it? Okay. I remember for sure he was supposed to get in at 3, because I remember like, we were we were we had arranged flight pickups for that show, and he was three. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, we would always do the pickups, but, but not this time. Yeah, we couldn't do it this time because you know we had the show going on. So uh, <clears throat> Sean just kind of <laughs> camped out at the airport, waited for him to show up, and then rushed him back to the venue. Like he changed in the car. Uh, there was a situation where he thought he lost his wallet. Oh, that yeah. That sucked. So, like, his wallet was finally found later that night. But, uh, yeah, he thought he lost his wallet. I believe he showed up as the match before his was going to the ring. Yes. Because so he, he, he was yeah. in a tag that night, him and Trick versus uh, the cause, Danny and Connor. And originally it was supposed to be me and one of those two. But I, I remember telling you, no, like, let them both have it. Um, this will be something uh, really good for them. Thinking Chris Hero would be on time. I think as the night went on, I should have just said, okay, well, uh, I'll take this by myself just to be super safe. Yeah, they, uh... But they did great. They were like, kind of... Right. Yeah, they were kind of thrown into the fire, though, because at that time, neither one of them had worked with a big national-level name, especially a guy on the uh, on the level of a Chris Hero. Yeah. And uh, I, the reason that match came together is because Hero wanted to tag with uh, Trick Davis. They had a long history with each other. And they're just friends. So he could ask if he asked if he could tag with them, and uh, you know we were able to do that. But yeah, like for those guys, I know I know from talking to both of them, like they were nervous fucking wrecks, which obviously so when your first experience working with a guy of that level, and you have no time to really get to know him or anything else, and then. They had done some, uh, like, planning with Dave. 
Davis. Well, yeah. So like, Trick but apparently Hero got there, changed and a changed lot of it. Everything. Yeah, because I, I remember because <laughs> so, I I was seconding them, so I had a couple of spots in the match, and I remember Trick was like, Trip basically like mapped out a structure that they could use, and then just pluck Hero in because he was running so late. He was like, well, we'll just do Hero spot here, Hero spot there, and. When uh when Hero got there, he was like, oh no 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 no, like they get a full match. Like it's not just a, a, a two on one with me pl- like positioned in. Like I'm gonna, we're gonna fucking work this whole thing. Like it was yeah, really kind of cool. Was a hard worker. Right? Oh, yeah. Every time we had him in, he, he went above and beyond. Well, anytime we were on shows with him, also we'd ask for him just to watch our matches. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that like wants the business to be better so he's like if, if you're on a well i mean if you're on a show with him if you happen to be on one of these evolved shows that he's on or whatever like he, he will legitimately sit and watch your match and give you critiques he won't just go oh it was decent you know good job he'll actually have things for you yeah give you critiques Really good big elbow off the top. Really good stuff. Oh, I didn't do a big elbow off the top. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he was really late. They were really nervous. And it turned out fine. It, it's just... Yeah, it was the know, first time was, Danny Adams had taken a pile driver, which was a fun story. Um, the story behind it, though, is just... His flight was just delayed. and We had to work around that, which... Happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's the only time that's ever happened. Now we've had, we've had people cancel like half the pull off shows, but this was the first time, and hopefully the last <laughs> that we had to deal with a flight being that delayed. Yeah, I mean, but and also to the fans' credit, they stayed the whole time, and they were just oh, yeah. as loud at the beginning as they were at six a.m. the next day when the fucking when Hero showed up. <laughs> yeah, no, the fans are great. I think the worst one was the Joe cancellation, um, because yeah. if I remember right, weren't we on a show in Indiana the day before, and my car breaks down, like, bad no, breaks that down? Was, Is that when he actually that showed up? was on the Joe makeup date. Okay. Yeah. So, on the Joe cancel date, we were in uh, Veta Sports Complex, yeah? No, House Springs. You're right. No, you're not. No. Cause yeah, no, st- Joe's, Joe's makeup date was at Veta. He yep. was supposed to be at House Springs. Okay. Well, then I I remember that like I've switched these in my head. So why don't you tell it so I don't fuck it up anymore? <laughs> well, I mean, this was the worst one because it was the first one. Yes. So, you know, we at this time we had booked, you know, Shelly, and then we had booked Shelly and Saban. Uh, Austin Aries, I think. No, I think Joe was the second name we booked. Okay, third. Because because I think I think the way it laid out really is we had Shelly. Yeah. Then I can't remember if I think it goes Shelly. Then Joe's supposed to be there, but cancels. Then we have Shelly Saban. Then the next month is the Joe makeup, so he's there. Then I think it goes to Austin Aries after that. Okay. And then later on, it's like us versus them one. I think that's the way that timeline goes. Okay. But uh, anyway, so we had had Joe booked. Um, I Lacey leaves to pick him up from the airport. And, you know, he calls me about 30 minutes after he left. And I pick up the phone, he just goes, hey, uh, on my way back, Joe, you know, he canceled. I go, oh, well, you know, stop fucking with me. He's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, no, really, I'm on my way home, or on my way back to the venue. Uh, apparently, he had, he, his car broke down on the way to the airport. He couldn't find a ride to the airport, so he's not going to be there. Not coming. That's <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, you know, it's a fun story that he was getting married in like two weeks after the show. Well, it wasn't and, two weeks, it was the next week. I remember that. And I th- I, I'm pretty sure that maybe a bachelor party or something was happening. 
we were probably a victim of that. Now, we can't but, say that for sure. And in fairness no. to Joe, like, this is the time before Uber and Lyft and Ride and Get On My Bike, you you know, was around. I'm sure he had no friends he could call. None. None at all. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, he ends up making it up, buying his own flight to come back. So he makes good by it. Um, yeah, he wrestles Dorian, yeah? What? He wrestles Dorian, right? Uh, yeah, when the match happens, finally okay. happens. Uh, but on this night, I was like, oh, shit, uh, what are we going to do now? And what we so, did was Strider versus Raw, and, like, now, it's yeah, this is starting to flow back to me, because now I just remember them beating the piss out of each other. Yeah, this would have been Strider Raw 2. The first one was the one where Strider chopped Raw, like, a total of 50 times. Was that uh, in VETA? No, the blow-off was a bit better. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, Strider and Raw really saved that show. They had a really good match. Um, I think Dorian ended up wrestling Nick Tyson on that show. Yeah. And, I mean, um, so, like, going back, like, uh, to Tyson, uh, Tyson was the reason we brought in the first name, Shelly. Um, Alex yeah, Shelly. We, we wanted to do something cool for him because he was our trainer. and He had yet to steal you know, 600 bucks from you? 500, but 500? Yeah, this was obviously before that. Uh, if you're listening to this, Nick Tyson, with my having that 500 bucks back. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, uh, no interest. he had trained us, and we, we wanted to show our appreciation. He was always a big Alex Shelley fan, so... We brought him in and ended up bringing in Shelly. I think I, we brought Shelly in a total of four times because we brought him in three times in LWA and then once in St. Louis Anarchy. We were supposed to bring him in another time against Albert, if I'm remembering right, but he wasn't able to do it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that, that was another. We were a victim of cancellation then, too. He had got hurt or something. I don't remember if this was around... Maybe this was around when he got hurt at Super Juniors that year. But, yeah, he was going to wrestle ACH and wasn't able to do it. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time we brought Shelly in, the atmosphere. Dude, it, like, it, you know, like, I hate to be hyperbolic uh, when I say this, but it's like, you can't replicate that sort of environment. Like, just watching the DVD or whatever. Like, oh, my God. It was insane. Dude. Actually, this was the first time... That, like, you know, like, GCW had brought Rob Van Dam in years before this. Uh, but this was, like, the first time a national-level star had been brought into this area in a long time. And the first time we had ever brought one in. Yeah. And, and yeah, he was going against uh, the top guy in the promotion. So, I mean, yeah, the fans were on fire. I mean, it was a... a it was unbelievable. I remember he jumped into the crowd and tried to fight somebody. Yeah, Alex. Oh! <laughs> Which now, Alex is a wrestler. Which so, I think might transition us to another fan question, right? Yeah, it did. Uh, what wrestler, or what fans do we know eventually transitioned to wrestlers? Yeah, I only know of two. Uh, Alex and uh, Sophie King. As far as, like, that I can remember, like, I remember Alex at GCW and LWA shows. I remember Sophie at shows. I remember she used to come to Chikara shows a lot. Um, there were a couple of people who trained, but never quite made it to the wrestlers. Like, like who? I know Ryan Masters. Ryan Masters. Um, the fan that used to come with Alex. Oh, fuck, what was his name, man? He does wrestle. He does? Maybe, yeah, I guess he can count as one. Yeah, I believe so. There it is, okay. You talk about the long-haired ring announcer, Kyle? Yes, but also before him. Um, I don't remember what before him. Oh, man. His name was Jay something, too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, fans. I'm just messing. I mean, there have been fans like Ryan Masters trained and didn't wrestle. Mike Marin trained and didn't wrestle. 
Well, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, like that. That's really it. Um, Who hates me, by the way? Mike. No, Dougie Best. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to get into that. Um, but he does have a fun Joe story. Not him, but it's yeah. fun about him. Um, not worth getting into. No. Uh, so those are kind of the only ones that we can think of that have successfully transitioned into wrestling. But, I mean, if you really want to get down to it, like, anybody who's a wrestler was a fan of wrestling, which is an unfair way to answer it, but, like, that's the way. Because we talked about us being fans and going to, you know, GCW at the time or wherever we could find. So, there you go. Well, right. I mean, I get... I And back when, when me and Gary used to go with Tyson to those old Central State shows in Kansas City. Yeah. We would we would fuck around in the crowd. So there might be like and it, they'd have to be long time Kansas City wrestling fans. But they could probably remember when me and Gary were in the crowd. Yeah, Channing, let's get stoned. So, you know I think everybody starts out that way but as far as like fans of Anarchy or LWA that became wrestlers, Alex and Sophie are really, and Alex has worked for us. Sophie's going to be on Ladies Night. When is that? So, uh, April twenty sixth. Ooh, should get your tickets now if you're listening to this. If you don't already have them. Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha! Plug. Um. So let's circle back to Shelley though. Because Shelly actually has kind of an interesting little run. Because he first wrestles Tom. Then he wrestles the tag match. Then he wrestles John in a singles, right? And then there's yeah. a three-way with him. Shit, I don't remember who it is. It's Who is Gary it? Gary and Fitch. Okay, because he really likes Fitch out of that. Yeah. And then who's the last person he wrestled? That's it. Was that it? Okay, yeah, four. Okay. Um... Didn't we also try and get the machine guns back to a time, too? I We may have emailed them. There, there's not very many people that we didn't at least have email talks with about coming in. Like, that was a fan question as well. Was uh, Like, are there any matchups you wish you could have gotten that you didn't? And, I mean, not really in a way. Like, I mean, I, I talked to Brian Danielson years ago. Do you mean before. the American Dragon? Yeah, I had talked to him years before, like even Anarchy started. It was even before you assaulted him with a fucking dodgeball <laughs> about coming in. Yeah, but that wasn't able to happen. That of course would have been a good one. I remember we uh, almost Kevin Steen because we were bringing in yeah Generico for a minute. Yeah, that was like that was like a two year fucking back and forth to finally get Generico in because he you know he's insanely busy coming from Canada like it was it, like it took a while but we were finally able to get Generico and we had him in twice um, which, which is funny because it was harder to get him in there than it was to get Tozawa who lived in Japan at the time um, because we had a connection in Texas well, it was easier to get to Zawa because he was stationed over here, though, for mm. a good period of time that he was stationed in California. Yeah. Um, but we also had a friend in Texas. Um, Toshi. Toshi, yes. I was about to say his name. Who helped us get that and who sat up him living with you for a week or two. Yeah, he was, he stayed with me for a week while we did. He did Anarchy and... I think we, I think that was the weekend we went and did Minnesota. Then he stayed with me through a period where we went and did AIW and Anarchy. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, Toshio sat that all up a few times and, you know, he was really cool to deal with. And it was neat because I've said this before, like, I think what makes Anarchy unique is that we were lucky enough to get guys like Tazawa and Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly and in some ways TJ Perkins like before they just blew up so 
I mean, back then. like these guys. I mean, we're not talking about them in their first couple of matches, but like before TJP became like the WWE star or even the Evolve star, you knew him as. We knew him before right. then. Same like, thing with Gargano. Yep. Before he became the face of like Evolve and that. Before before LeBron was the king of Cleveland, there was Johnny, and Johnny was basically an every show guy for a while. Right, and really, what it was is, you know, these guys made respectable fees at that time, but they weren't so astronomical that we weren't able to like have two of them on the show. Yeah, and then we we were lucky because then for a few years you had. Davey Richards, Kyle O'Reilly, Michael Elgin, ACH, all lived in St. Louis. Yeah. But we were able to have those four on a show, and then if we brought in like a Gargano and a TJP, it really looked like we just had all these names on the card. But what people kind of didn't realize were four of those lived locally. And we've actually got a story about uh, Davy and TJ in a second. But first, how about a little bit of a food for thought scenario with you guys, huh? We'll be right back. Wow, thanks for that great segue into us, Jake. Now it's time for your food for thought. I, uh, I saw your tweet a couple of days ago about unprofessional behavior. Uh, and if I can quote one of my favorite wrestlers, Shane Helms, what's up with that? Yeah, no, I just, it's funny, like, I, I don't travel anymore outside of going to the Journey shows, but yet, like, I still hear about ridiculous shit that people do, and so the new thing's been hearing about, like, young people who are being unprofessional, and it's just crazy how different it was when we were coming up. I mean, in fairness to us, we've been doing it 15 years, so we've kind of seen generations change. And, like, this isn't one of those old men, oh, in my time, things were different. It, it really depends on the person's trainer. It's like, we were always taught, and it's the <clears throat> told in wrestling, is paying your dues. And Well, right, but even still, I don't think the fault of a shitty, like a young, shitty attitude is necessarily the fault of the trainer. The, no. The talent's going to act different when the trainer's around, and some people just have a shitty attitude, <laughs> and it, it don't have anything to do with the trainer. But I think the trainer can help address it and be like, hey, this, this, like... I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it's 100% on the trainer, but I think the trainer has a responsibility to address their attitude and be like, well, if you keep acting like this, I'm going to take my name off you, and I'm going to contact the shows that I got you on and get you taken off them. Well, right. You know, I agree with that, but uh, it's just crazy to me, like some of these stories out here about, like... Well, hit me with a couple uh, Battle Cat. Let me have them. Well, like somebody saying that, like, they should make more money because they do a dive at a show. Like, to me, that's just ridiculous. I couldn't imagine somebody actually asking for that like I, now i've seen where like you know like death match workers have a death match rate and a regular match rate like that's understandable but if you're going to try to get a couple extra dollars because you do a dive i mean good luck with that well i mean normally in any match or any anytime you talk to a promoter yourself when you would wrestle you would have the the, the dive match quota like You'd always tell well, yeah, Chris or somebody else that if you hit a big dive, and then you had different rates on the dives. If you hit a fucking back shoot, like, a, what was your, if you, you charge 50 extra bucks, if after you came off the ropes, you springboarded to the top, started the shooting star press, paused in midair, defying gravity, turned it into a 450, that was an extra 20 bucks for you, brother. Well, yeah, that, that's what we call a Saturday night dive. I wouldn't do that <laughs> on Thursdays or Fridays. Only on Saturdays. Yeah. But to me, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> if you're going to actually 
And it's like, do you negotiate that beforehand, or do you just go out there and do a shit ton of dies? It's like, okay, now I think you should give me more money. I mean, you do you do it beforehand? <laughs> After you've negotiated your rate, that's it. Right. So, and like the big thing to me too is like it's not even just that; it's people that act like we're constructing a house when it comes to like setting up or tearing down the ring. Like that part blows my mind too. Yeah. Like it's not like the days of, you know, before when we would have to get there at eight a.m. Tear down the ring, load it into a U-Haul, drive to the venue, set it up, do the show, tear it down, drive it back to the training center, take it out, set it back up at least enough where you put the wood on. You're talking about a 12-hour-plus day is how it used to be, where now we just throw it under the stage. But I'd say like 85% of our guys are all good about helping out. But what really blows my mind is, like, the young guys, maybe some that aren't even on the show, that'll show up and not even help set up and think, like, okay, I should get on the show. Well, it's like an entitlement thing, right? Like, they're like, well, I'm a wrestler now. Wrestlers don't set up rings. I show up. My music hits. I become the big badass. I go to the ring, do my thing. Then I collect my dive paycheck, and then I'm out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the mentality behind something like that is where somebody so new doesn't think they should have to help. I, I don't know. I guess they'd have to ask them. <laughs> but I just know it wasn't like that. Like when we were coming up, we shit, we could never miss a setup at LWA or a teardown. We weren't even, you know, I have the rule now where you if you help do one or the other. If you help set up, I don't give a shit if you leave after the show. If you help tear down, I don't care if you show up right after check-in time. Whatever. But we weren't even afforded that. We had to do both. We, we had no choice. And even was, when we were working GCW. Well, now hold on there, Battle Cat. Like, in GCW, we were around a couple of people who, who snuck out of sets up and tear downs. Like, we, we know that type. I remember yelling at Dingo in Melville. Yeah. Because it was, it was only us tearing down. I was like, you need to get some of your fucking people out here or I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But <laughs> and you know what? We're not like the patron saints of a ring set up or tear down. We have not done it before too. But just like if you're a new person and you're trying to earn a job or get bookings, show up and help set up and help tear down. And then two, don't look for instant gratification. You may not get on the show the first time you help set up. But that don't mean you might not get on the second one or the third one. So, well, so a perfect example of that's Rashid Ali and Shane Sanders. At NWL, those guys were there for every setup and every teardown, regardless if they were booked or not. And I mean, most of the time, they would get put on the house shows. And then, like, you know, Rashid started getting worked into the TVs. But there was no guarantee. And they showed up every single time. And our setup was a little bit more elaborate than just putting the ring underneath the stage or taking it out. Oh, you mean the giant jumbotron? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little bit more. A little, not much. Just a little bit. Um, so it's not. It's just it's not that hard of work to show up and help and help out. I guess is all I'm saying. No, and like I think now we have a pretty good group of guys. Um, and I'll give I'll give Pred, uh, uh, I'll just give one for now. Uh, just Kenway. Like as much as we give him shit about things, and you know he's always there for setup and teardown. And he he contributes a lot to that. Yeah, he's kind of took over the uh, foreman foreman role, I guess you could say, of the ring stuff, and he's done a pretty good job with it. There's yeah. still stuff he needs to learn, like you know. And I, I mean, we we had this conversation after a PWCS show because you know there are times people are not doing anything. It happens at anarchy shows sometimes too. And he gets pissed. And I told him, like, you know, it's okay to be mad. Like, if you're 
one of few people doing something, but part of the job as the leader is to go talk to people and get help. But you have to do that a certain way. We're not going to get into all that, but that's another you know, he's, starting thought. To, he's starting to learn and, you know. But, okay, so to that point, to me, that's not Kenway or your foreman's job. That's the promoter, the booker, whoever you want to put it on. That person should be the leader of the show to get to rally the troops to set up and tear down. <clears throat> right. No, I agree with that. So, it, it's a, like, for me, I pay attention to all that shit. Uh, and I may not say something every time I see someone not tearing down or that don't come set up, but I know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden when you're sitting at home and you're like, well, I wonder why I'm not getting booked. So chances are it's because you didn't help out. And I, I'm not going to treat people like children. They know the rules. You either help set up, you help tear down. If you don't do those things, I'll let it slide for a bit. And then you just will find yourself not on the shows, which I don't care, and maybe some people don't care, and that's all fine, too, but that's what's going to happen. But it does drive me nuts when you see people who should be leading people not doing shit themselves, and I understand that. But And um, to double back real quick, like somebody like Sage Phillips, who was at Gateway to Blizzard, helped set up, helped tore down, he got on the main show. Right. Yeah, and you never know when a fucking blizzard's going to hit. So if you're a guy that's been showing up for a while and something like that happens and you're there, you're going to get an opportunity. And when you get those opportunities, you need to be humble and appreciative of them. Yeah. So there you go. There's a, there's a little bit of food for thought for you guys out there. And uh, let me uh, let me just, I guess we can take this time to throw it back to uh, the main co-hosts of the show. Uh uh, Evan and Pierre. So when we last left you, we said that Davey had an interesting, well, we had an interesting story of Davey and TJP together. And I want to set this up as this isn't the first, this story isn't the first time we've met TJP. We've actually known him for a little bit by then. We think we've booked him and been on a couple of shows with him since then. Um, but by now he is working as suicide for TNA. And Davey's on TNA, isn't he? I think so. So, like, Davey's still local. And then we have a show coming up the following week after a TNA local show. And so Davey is or TJ's supposed to stay in and train with Davey. And so we can get, we basically, how, how, how does this go? It's like, Davey comes to us and is like, yeah, hey, can you book TJ? Because I'd like to wrestle him. Yeah, I mean, it was just a pretty much just that uh, he was going to be in town to work out with Davey. And, I mean, yeah, it was pretty much what it was. Like, they wanted to work with each other, and we were able to do it. And mm. Davey helped set that up and made sure that it was financially able to happen. Like, so, you know, they didn't, like, gouge us on pricing or anything like that. Which TJ never I, did, and Davey never did. I just remember it no. fondly because we had to go pick TJ up from the TNA pay-per-view or whatever they were doing here. Um, and we pull back around. We talk to the security guard and we're like, hey, we're here to pick up this, this, and whatever. And we pull around and none of us got out of the car. It was you, me, and Gary, I think. Yeah, and, I got out of the car. Okay, you did. That's right. Because, like, 30 seconds after you get out of the car, TJ's nowhere to be found. But walking up to you, like what would you say, like 60 to 100 feet away, Bubba Ray Dudley notices us and, like, gives us kind of, like, a look, like, what the fuck are they doing here? And starts walking towards us. And then, like, right as he's in, like, earshot distance or whatever, TJ comes, like, from the side, like, hey, guys. And we're like, oh, TJ, thank God. Yeah, we were probably about to get thrown out of there. <laughs> that yeah. was about to happen. I mean, which is fair because they have no idea who we are and like any, and we're just like some fucking look like some fans. So that was funny. And then we went to Applebee's with them. So that was, that was funny. Um, yeah. We had, uh, Davey set that up. Davey, Davey was actually a pretty big part of St. Louis Anarchy. 
Uh, he actually had a long history dating all the way back to LWA. Yeah, like, I'm not going to get in and try to, like, defend Davey. Like, I've talked about Davey before on podcasts. Yeah, uh, some, some people, people like hate him. him. Some people don't. But, you know, as far as St. Louis anarchy goes, Davey did good business. I mean, he he was he provided, you know, Aaron Solo and Darren Dean. Fale uh, when he was around, Kazina. Right. A couple of, like, anybody he was working with, Travis Banks, he got us for that one shot. Yeah. Yeah, he set up Travis Banks from the time we had him. And then he always did good business as far as the matches go. You know, he always had good matches when it was time to pay off big things like him and Vega. They went 25 minutes and ended with Vega tapping him out. Uh, when we paid off him and Gary, it went a while and ended with Gary knocking him out. So... Davey always, he always did good business by anarchy. Now, granted, other people have different stories, but those aren't my stories to tell. Like, I can only talk about Davey and the scope of St. Louis anarchy, which was always good, and he, he never was an issue. Well, it doesn't, like, he's always done good business, but it doesn't start out as a good fit at first, because when we first bring him in, it's the Lethal Wrestling Alliance, and he's supposed to wrestle our champion at the time, Shorty Biggs. Um, however, Shorty Biggs is legitimately afraid that Davey's going to shoot on him or try and hurt him. So he calls you and like tells you that he doesn't want the match. He doesn't want to do the match. Um, so you, I think, what is it, Hunter Matthews and Gary? Yeah, he ends up wrestling Hunter Matthews and Gary. And he fucking hated Gary because he hated the Barnow gimmick. My Davey just didn't like silly gimmicks. And back then, LWA, we had some of those. And he didn't like it, so, you know, he wrestled for us twice, I think, in LWA. But then that was it, because he didn't like it. So, you know, that's fine, too. But he, uh... Well, I mean, you pulled him aside at a show, I remember, right? And you just had a conversation with him. And that's where, like, it all kind of, like, it was like... You know, what, what's the deal? I hear you don't like this. And he, you you didn't scream. You didn't shout. Fists weren't thrown. You just had a conversation. You both had different opinions on wrestling. And that was it. Yeah, you know, he, he more preferred, like, you know, the NWA style of wrestling. Like, he never was a WWF fan. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I understood where he was coming from. But him bad-mouthing the product as he's backstage isn't something that I can allow to happen. So we had a conversation about it, but it wasn't heated. And then we parted ways after that. And then when Anarchy come around and he wanted to come back, we had an agreement. He came back. But from the time we made that agreement at Anarchy all the way up until... Gary knocked him out, which was his last match in Anarchy. We never had any problems. Now, just a little peek behind the curtains, because that would have been... There was supposed to be one more Davy match, wasn't there? Well, yeah, like, the, I told that story on the Greg podcast, which is the infamous Davy messaging me to get booked, me booking him. And him canceling at like six o'clock the same day. Yeah, the infamous <laughs> like eight hour turnaround. Yeah, the infamous Davey booked and canceled, and yeah, probably seven hours at most. <laughs> that would have been the last Anarchy show. Uh, he he had reached out. Uh, I thought yeah, this would be kind of cool to have him on the last show. Everything was set up, <laughs> and then he was late, which was no surprise. He was always later getting there. So I sent him a text like, hey, come in the back, not the front. We're going to be opening doors soon. And then that's when he messaged me back. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. But, but I mean, like that aside, and maybe like one or two other cancellations aside, like Davey was always good. Like like you said, like he had the best of the three, the three match series with Vega. 
where at the end he lets Vega tap him out. And it was nice because, like, as you go back and watch those matches, you see Vega progress too. Like, he goes from, like, wearing those fucking trash bag pants and a singlet top to, you know, like, what you what you see him as now. Well, I think that, I don't want to speak for Vega, but I, I think that Vega would say that Richards made him a better wrestler. Same thing for Gary. Um, and that's, like, the part of it that the fans don't see. I mean, now, I'm not saying that, like, Gary and Vega would have become nothing without Davey Richards. Like, I'm not saying that, but two of the guys that are looked at as the pillars of this area, Davey Richards helped them out a lot. Uh, I remember when we did Gary and Davey. Uh, At that time, Gary was heel. He'd kind of come out silly, or, you know, he'd just be Gary. And he did that for this match. And they have the match, and then Davey told him afterwards, he goes, look, man, you know, this is a fight for the title. Uh, you should come out and be way more serious about it because it's for the belt. And I knocked your ass out last time. You should be more serious. Because Davey took that match. When he came out of the curtain, he, he was coming to the ring like he was walking to the fucking ring at Hammerstein Ballroom to wrestle for the Ring of Honor World title. Like, his demeanor was that. And I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. So, and he, Gary took that advice from him still to this day. And, like, those are things that, those are positive things that Davey did. And for, like, if you have a negative Davey experience, I, I understand. And, but we live in a world now where people just talk all about the negative. That, you know, Davey has a lot of positives, and I just feel like those should be noted too and if you want to note them and go eh, i still think he's a piece of shit well then that, that's your that's your right but you should at least know that he did do a lot to help better the scene here that's still being felt today and he did it a lot with guys like vega and gary and ach he helped ach out a ton with becoming a better wrestler and you could see how that would all trickle down into the people who currently work. Well, that and branches maybe has a part. In that. Yeah, that branches off into two different areas. Um, we'll tackle the first, um, which at Davy actually is an inadvertent reason for the start of the championship rules because when he wrestles Gary before Gary's the champion, he legit knocks Gary out. Yeah, pretty. I mean, that it, it, it's the reason. That we have championship rules. Uh, He did not Gary out. Gary was slated to win the belt the very next show. And behind the scenes, Gary was slated to lose that match anyway. Uh, By design, I only wanted to put Davey under in big situations. I hate how a lot of indies bring in these name guys and they just lose every single time. Now, hold on a second. My boy Rusty here's the goddamn world champion of fucking wherever we are, Arkansas, and he ain't gonna lose to no world travel woogity boogity Davy Richards. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that was by design, and so Gary was losing that match regardless. But anyway, he was still slated to win the belt at the next show. The story being like, Anyone can win or lose at any time, and it sets up Davey to wrestle for the belt. Uh, But my idea coming out of that was that Gary, because he was knocked out, would want his matches to all be two out of three falls. So that way, to take the belt off of him, you got to definitively beat him two times. So if he gets caught in a submission or flash knocked out, he's still able, you know, to recover and try again. Because anybody could get tapped out or knocked out. So that was the idea behind it, was you would need to definitively beat him. And uh, from there, we were just like, ah, I think this would be cool to do for every champion. Whoever the champion is can make their own set of rules. 
and we've done that going forward. And again, we will state, Paco, we're sorry we dropped the ball on your rules. That's yeah, our bad. That was bad. Our bad. <laughs> um, another thing that uh, the Davy branches off into is um, why did we become anarchy, which is something we've touched upon, but like also leading to that is like, why didn't we use so many locals? Like at a time where the local area was like basically almost each each promotion at the time basically had a very similar roster um the reason for the name change obviously as we talked about is because lwa wasn't ours and we wanted something that was something that we could look back on and be like we started this this was 100 percent you and i right yeah that's it and i mean as far as the roster went we just wanted a different roster. We wanted guys that wanted to tear the house down. That, that's it. I mean, it's not a knock on every local guy because not every single local guy is like this, but there was this mentality amongst a good portion of the local guys that it was just like, uh, we're at a show, just want to get this over with and get to Denny's or go get some chicken wings and shit like that. And now that's us. That's all where that's all fun and good. I wanted people who gave a fuck more about the bell to bell for, you know, what we were doing. And that was it. I mean, I mean, and like, guys. yeah, but we also had more of a unique roster because we used a, a Texas car load from, from, from our ACW origins. So we generally have, and like generally we'd have like women's matches and intergender matches because Rachel would come up Jessica would come up, um, Machiko would come up. Like we'd have us, like Gregory James, Darren Childs, Chris Wolf. Like we'd have all these Texas guys: JoJo Bravo, Ricky Starks, ACH. Like all, like we'd always have a random influx of Texas talent. Um, the Hooligans were traveling at the time. We'd have them. At the time, they were IOU. Um, Trick Davis from Chicago, Cannon and Corbin. Um, from Minnesota, and then generally our local main guys were uh, Gary, Vega, Fitchett, me, Lacey, and like less than a handful after that. Any got any of the guys like we said, Dean Solo, uh, Fale, Tony, like those guys. Like we didn't, we had a pretty unique fucking roster for our area at the time. Yeah. Yeah, we were able to do that a lot during our whole first run. And we still try to do that today. It's a little bit harder now that you got Glory and PWCF, but well, I for think, the most part, we, yeah. we still try to have a different roster. I actually had a conversation with Dan about it. I was like, I think as long as our rosters are 70% different people, I can live with that. I'm sorry, are you talking about Danny Adams, co-owner of Glory Pro? You fucking talk to the competition, you fucking sellout? Are you saying it's possible to have civil discourse with people of another federation? We were actually uh, fighting with samurai swords as we were talking. (laughs) (laughs) The day you hold a samurai sword is the day I fucking dropped out of a heart attack, my friend. Do we have any more fan questions? Uh, Strider flipping the tables and the band behind Champa. Let's get to the band behind Champa because you and I don't really remember that one. I remember... I I just remember that I was asked if they were going to be paid afterwards. Yeah, that like... My response response was they sold zero tickets. We actually gave them tickets to sell and they sold none. So you sold zero tickets. Like we were just so so. You want me to pay you for allowing you to play in front of our audience? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of blew my mind? Uh, that's all. I mean, that's not even worth. Which is funny because that harkens back to our uh, food for thought we just talked about. Hopefully. Um. Yeah, I remember we went with Gary to see them at a bar, and then we're like, yeah, okay, whatever, and then. 
Like, they showed up. They were totally antisocial. Like, they just stuck to themselves. And then um, it was a favor. And then, yeah, they were just like, once they were figured out they weren't, once you told them they weren't going to get paid, they just packed up and left. And I was like, wow. Ah. I don't know what the bars are. I've never seen them play until the show. Okay. Well, maybe it was just me and Gary. Um, but I remember that. Uh, another one was Strider flipping the tables, which was the NWL story, and the Paco. That one last. Okay, uh, the Paco uh, frat 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 boys. Yeah, I'm gonna we'll come back probably to this one more because I want to get with Paco and Fitchett because I I remember this differently than I think how it actually went down. So I just remember that you had Paco's frat people. And then at that time, Fitchett brought out a pretty decent-sized group would come to every show he was on. Yeah. And I just remember them going at each other because you had a group cheering Fitchett, a group cheering Paco. I do remember, like, Fitchett trying to get somewhere and then blocking him and not letting him go through. That's what I remember uh, the most. Is uh, he? I think he was wrestling Paco. Um, and, like, Paco's in the ring. His friends are cheering him on. And then uh, Fitchett comes out, and they, like, block the entrance away from him. And then some of the Granite Cities versus the Frats, like, they just kind of, like, they, like, kind of bow up. Yeah, see, I remember some of that, and then I remember after the match is over, the Frat group leaving. But I had thought that they were just leaving because their buddy was done wrestling, because that, that happens a lot at shows like oh my nephew's done I'm gonna get up and leave now which I hate <laughs> if you're a fan out there and you're coming to a show to watch a friend of yours to stay for the show like, it's not that hard well I mean anyway. you never know what else you're gonna find like oh I showed up for my friend oh but this guy's cool that was neat like you know what I mean like why right if you're gonna pay for so it anyway I thought they were just leaving but I guess there was more to it where they got vulgar or something and, like, our regular fans, like, threw them out of the building or something. I think they I had samurai swords. Go, huh? So I think they had samurai swords. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to have to get with Paco and Fitcher to kind of get more of the details on that because I think there's more to it than what I remember. Well, that's fair. Um, and then that... The band, uh, yeah, the last thing is Strider flipping tables. Yeah, so, I mean, I got into this somewhat on Greg's podcast, but, you know, just to kind of bullet point it is, it's the last Anarchy show. Major wanted to do a deal where KC runs in at the end. St. Louis powders them out. So we do that. Strider's a different kind of cat. He gets real in the fucking zone. And I mean, when he's cooking, he, he cooks. When he was doing shit, he flipped the table over, which had merchandise of uh, the Carnies on it. Were they the I Carnies? Or IOU at the yeah. time. No, they were the Carnies. They, yeah. they were the Carnies. I believe one of them, or might have been just another person with them, like threw something like water or something in Strider's face. I think it was Kara. Uh, so that kind of spills outside, but I don't see the rest of it because I'm in the ring at the end of the show. Yeah. So you see the rest of it. But all I know is that Carrie should be sending you some kind of direct deposit every month because you saved his life. Well, you think he just responded to a simple fucking, uh, I, I can't even get him to respond to goddamn Facebook messages anymore. It's how far I've fallen in California. Um, yeah, he, uh, you saved his life. If this would have escalated, Strider would have destroyed him and his whole carload of people. So, okay, so from my vantage point, uh, I've powdered out KC. I see this happen. I slip to the back. Um, and while Vega, Gary, Fitchett are all in the ring and they're all jerking each other off of how great they are and because, of course, the world revolves around Matt Fitchett. He gets the fans Actually, to crowd surfing. They were, they were all putting me over. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, they were putting you over, I'm in the back, and then they get crowd surfed. Great, fun times. Um, I head to the back, and per the person by the door is Ace Steel, who's about to play a part in this. And when I come to the back, fucking Carrie is fuming. He is, he's ready to fight. He's ready to fight Strider. Nick is calm, and he's like, hey, just calm down. He's like, no, we're going to fucking fight him. And I come to the back, I'm like, well, what's the problem? It's like, he ruined our merch. And so, like, we talk for a second. And, like, the KC fan, like, because Carrie came from the front to the, uh, through the entranceway, whereas KC had to go around to the back of the building to get in. So Carrie's first through the, through the, in the back. And, um... He's ready to fight. I'm talking to him. Nick's talking to him. And finally, I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I know you're mad, but I want you to go to your merch table. I want you to to figure out a dollar amount of everything that was, you know, totally ruined to just minorly scratched. And we, as the company, will pay you, uh, which Major finds out, and then he offers to pay them. But we're going to talk about that in a second. Strider and all come through the back, and like, Strider is ex like exuberant about like th this really worked like the fans gave a shit about this and so he's like yeah this was awesome um quick side to Strider Strider so we talked about this we we had a more organic transition into this talking point but I really want to get this one across on a lot of indie shows you'll see a lot of tough guys and heavy hitters and then when they fight a name like, their style changes. You notice the strikes aren't quite as hard. There's a couple more hand-to-thigh uh, interactions than there normally are. But not with Strider. Strider and KC wrestled Samoa Joe. And I'll never forget watching Joe feed his back, not expecting the next thing to come, is a huge back chop to Samoa Joe. And, like, you see, like, Joe, like wake up and it's just like catching and then like him and Strider just catching each other's hands like they fucking fight Strider backs down from no one like I watch him before his matches preparing himself he beats the shit out of himself in the back before he even gets to the ring like he is a scary motherfucker so I've always tried to stay on Strider's good side he, he would uh, he would have killed Carrie. yeah so, like, that's happening. I'm like, hey, guys, would you stay over here? And I ask Ace, like, Ace, can you, like, keep, like just keep this Casey guys on this side? And he says yes. And so Carrie and I are going back and forth. Like, the, the whole, like, um, please, you know, go go find your merch, tally it up, and we'll pay it. Um, they come back with, like, nothing. Major uh, offers them money. They don't take it. So, and this is, another, this is, we'll talk about this, I guess, at some point in an NWL, but here's a small sample. Unfortunately for them, Major offers to fly them to an NWL show, and that never comes about. And that's shitty business on Major's part. But that's not what this is about. Um, so, that's what happens, what I see, is like, I cool down Carrie, send him and Nick back out, talk with Strider. And like, Strider's like, at first apologetic, he's like... Brother, I'm just out there. Like, I'm just in the zone. And, like, when Strider's in the zone, he's in a tunnel, man. Like, that's all. And, like, once I, you know, and thankfully cooler heads prevailed. There was no fight. Because, again, as you've reiterated, I like Kerry a lot. He's probably one of my favorite people on the indies. It's the reason we agreed to do his show. Um, even though he won't return my Facebook messages anymore, I still like him a lot. Carrie would have gotten his ass beat. Carrie and Nick together would have gotten their ass beat their by whole, Strider. Their whole five-person car. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have even... Even if none of the Kansas City guys jumped in to help, Strider, they they might have taken Strider down, but they would not have won that fight. Um, that's it. Uh, that And, from, and then, the, the, like, a nice bow is... Even though I didn't get crowd served or told how great I was in the ring, uh, Ace Steel came up to me. I was like, hey, man, the way you handled that was really professional, and it's, it was really impressive. Did you know that you had hit Danielson with a dodgeball years before? I'm sorry, you're talking about the American Dragon, Brian Danielson? Uh, I believe I that rumor had been that. circulating. 
Uh, but I think that's everybody's question. If we missed your question, I'm so sorry. Um, we'll get it on the next one. Yeah, we plan to do like maybe a couple of these because we didn't even talk about us versus thems. Uh, we didn't really talk about Quack and like the roles he's played to help us. Um, there's still so much to talk about that we still have not. So please, any questions, let us know. Um, any complaints, if you feel personally attacked, please feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Heal Money Jovi. Just hit us with all those complaints you got. Like, brother, if we've personally wronged you, you light us up on the DMs as Heal Money Jovi. Uh, it's an old John Stewart bit I don't think anybody gets, but I get it. Uh, <laughs> that's how my personality works. I get my jokes. Um, oh, no, there was one more question. Uh, Gary and uh, Vega, the 60-minute draw. How did that come about? And uh, Do we got time to get into it? We're at 29 minutes. I think we did 21 on the other end. It's up to you. Yeah, we'll get into this. Let's have to make the wrestling thing shorter. Okay. I, I, I wanted to do a 60-minute draw, like an unannounced 60-minute draw, because uh, there hadn't been one done in a long time. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, Jason Klein actually went and looked up the last hour draw in St. Louis, and it was like way back for the uh, NWA world title. Okay. <laughs> but I wanted to do one and I thought that, like, those two were the perfect, like, two people to do it. Uh, they were over enough with the crowd that I thought we could get away with the crowd sitting there for an hour. And uh, they did. And you were right. Luckily, or I guess unfortunately, though, for them, is this was before the uh, days of the elaborate earpiece. <laughs> Your million-dollar earpiece system? Yeah. So, like, the referees back then aren't Mike. Uh, so, they had no idea, you know, how much time they had left at any given time. Or nothing like that. Which so, leads to a special cameraman coming out around the 40-45 minute mark, which is me. And <laughs> as much as I like to wrestle like I'm a cruiserweight, I'm still six foot five, two 230 at the time plus pounds. I'm pretty fucking noticeable, even with that hat really covering my face. <laughs> right. And like, so you're... they had kind of blown yeah. through all their stuff in the first forty minutes. <laughs> yes. So the back, so... the back half is like you relaying the time to me to relay it to the ref to relay it to them. Right. So you can imagine how flawed that process is. Okay, that it's time going through four different channels. I, um, but it still goes 60 minutes. It doesn't go shy. No, they just beat the shit out of each other and start throwing shit for 20 minutes <laughs> until they get to the 60. Uh, yeah. But it was really cool. Like, it was, it was cool to have that under the lineage of that belt, a legitimate, you know, 60-minute draw. Yeah. I remember, go, like, remember we went to that shitty indie and the two guys did, like, an hour, but they had, like, bottles of water stationed under the ring. Yeah, they kept fighting uh, under the ring for, like, there'd be, like, a two-minute break, and then they'd come right. fighting out. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, they'd powder under the ring so they could take drinks of water. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Flair ever did that. I'm sure he did a couple of times. <laughs> now, Dusty, we're going to need to have that water under the ring. Don't forget it. Yeah, give me my Mount Fuji's under that ring. I won't... Uh, these lips won't touch a Purina water. <laughs> but yeah, so that's this really neat thing to have. And like, those guys did a great fucking job. And, and they were thrilled uh, to do it when you told them that, right? They were just like, oh, yeah, oh fuck yeah, thank yeah, you, they, Matt. I've been wanting to wrestle for 60 minutes unannounced. Yeah, they were both extremely happy. Now, like, what kind of gimmicks did they use? Tables? Chairs? Uh, fucking... You know, explosives? I don't, I don't think I don't think they used any, but I, I can't I don't remember. I don't think they used anything. Yeah. Just did it on their own pure wrestling prowess, I guess. That's that's boring. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm just I'm just teasing a bit. Um okay, uh yeah, I, I remember it and uh, I remember if it ever makes the light of day, you'll see cameraman uh, Jake out there whispering times like a 
like a beautiful fucking sunset just dawning over them. There I am. Hey guys, you got about ten minutes left. Who? Uh, that's all I can think of, man. What else you got? Nah, that's it. Okay, let me let me just double check over everything. Uh, hero band, the band, yes. Strider, yes. Transitioning, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think that's everything. So again, Ooh. if you have questions, you know, hit us up on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Um, hit us up at uh, at Pierre Abernathy or at Pistol underscore Danger. Um, not at Greg Jovi because. We only want to hear the good things. We want you to bitch to other people. Yep. So, thanks for joining us. This has been another Mid-Carter adventure of the Dollar Menu Mid-Carters. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>